Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your divine wisdom, you have given us revelation of you in your word. We can learn of you. We can experience you. You can touch our lives through your word. Your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between joints and marrow, soul and spirit, and it is a judge of the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Lord, as we look in your word today, may it speak to us. May it turn our hearts toward you. May it cause us to give you all praise and all the glory. In our Savior, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever, or maybe are you now, haunted by your past? Is there something you have done in your past that if someone were to find out about it, it would bring you great shame? You'd be afraid to show your face around. Years ago, I sat with a group of about 20 individuals who were testing me to test out my doctrinal understanding. It was what we refer to as an ordination council. They see if you are fit to uh, teach and preach the Word of God and lead His church. It's a very fearful place to be. Great hearts, great minds sitting around the circle asking you any question they want. And at the end of those two or three hours, one pastor looked at me and said, Randall, is there anything in your past that if it came to light, it would bring shame or discredit the name of Jesus? And I didn't have to think very long. And I looked him in the eye and I said, yes. There was stuff that it came to light would um, shame the name of Christ. And he looked across the circle at me and said, thank you for your honesty. There are things in all of our lives that haunt us, that may keep us awake at night. And some of those things that haunt us are what bring us here on Sunday morning. Do we try to find some kind of release from the guilt and the shame that sits upon us? Brother Matt led us in prayer this morning. He said that we need to confess our sins. And he thanked God for the mercy that God shows upon us. The Apostle John writes that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from most of our unrighteousness. No. It says, of all our unrighteousness. That is That is good news. Whether you're sitting in this room, whether you're sitting at home, that is good news. 
So we all probably have things that haunt us in our past. And maybe another question we could ask ourselves, is there any time that you wonder if you have hope for the future? We look at our world today, we look at our nation today, and we see things like the pandemic that's taking place, and we wonder if we have any future, any hope. There are two churches I, we know of today, I think Prairie Bible and Mount Olivet, that are not meeting because of COVID. It's very real. And it can bring fear into our lives. It can cause us to lose hope. We look at the situations in our nation today when it comes to civil unrest not knowing uh, what is truth anymore. Have you ever watched the news and come away from the news and say, what I would just like is to know the truth? Not what the pundits say, but what is truth? I mean, I guess that's what Jesus said to us, you, shall know, you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. If you're looking for truth today, look at Jesus. Not the news, not our politicians, not necessarily your neighbors, but look to Jesus. Our past can haunt us. Our future can cause us fear. But the good news is that Jesus is with us. Jesus guides us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Word. Today's text that we're going to look at in Ephesians chapter 2 should leave us speechless. Speechless in light of our sin. Speechless in light of God's grace. Listen to God's word. Ephesians chapter 2 starting at verse 1. You were dead in, trespass, in the trespass and sins which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great, which he, great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly realms, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, God might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This passage is a passage of contrast, old and new. Living in transgressions and sin versus living in good works prepared by God. Living in the world versus living in the heavenly realms. It's death versus life. It's sinful nature versus union with Christ. It's wrath versus mercy and salvation. It's being under the ruler of this world versus seated with Christ in the heavenlies. It's the sinful nature versus the generous grace. It's not from works versus through faith. Verses 1 through 3 tells us where we have been. As we read it, we identify with the past, the sin in our lives. The apostle says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And not only did we sit still, but we were walking in them. The form of the word walk is one of my favorite Greek words. It comes from the base word peripateo. And every time I think of peripateo, I think of just prancing around. It's kind of got that sense to it. I peripateo. And what it's saying is that we not only stood still in our sins and our trespasses, but we were continually to walk in them. Wherever we went, wherever we peripateoed, we took our sins and our trespasses with us. We were living under the power of the evil one, the spirit who is now at work, now at work in those who are disobedient to God. We once lived in the passions of our flesh. And he says here, we were by nature children of wrath. Not giving wrath out, but the wrath that God has for us. And it's important for us to understand that wrath from God does not mean, does not mean that God hates us. When we speak of the wrath of God, it talks about his constant out, the constant outworking of God's displeasure and reaction towards sin. God is upset. He's upset with sin. He's wrathful towards sin and how it affects our life. And we are held responsible for our sin. But the wrath of God does not mean that God stays out of the picture. He still finds it in himself to reach out to us in love. Why? Well, 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. There is nothing he can do but love. 
When he sees you, he loves you. Love is not just something that God does once in a while. The Bible tells us that God is love. It's part of his nature. It's part of his character. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says that God desires that none should perish. Wherever you find yourself today, whatever your past has been, God desires that you not perish but experience his love. So we came from a messed up spot. And without Jesus, we are still in that messed up spot. The Bible calls it sin. The scriptures call it disobedience. But go to verse 4. As my wife, I know, will agree with, because she's got this written on a little piece of paper on her desk. Two words. But God. But God. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God. We were sons and daughters of disobedience, but God. We were by nature children of wrath, but God. Starting in verse 4, Paul tells us what God has done for us. It tells us that God is rich in mercy. The reason we do not have to say dead in our trespasses and sin is because of the mercy of God. Experienced, expressed in the great love with which he has loved us. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us right here that he has made us alive with Christ. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. But he rose triumphant to give us new life. To prove to us that his death was effective. God raised Christ from the dead and made us alive with him. As Jesus is alive, we can be alive in him as we put our trust and hope in him. As we receive the grace by which we have been saved. Notice what else is given to us. The place we are presently. We need to not dwell on the things that were past, but we need to remember where we are now. And we have been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You may not feel like it right now, but if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you had entrusted your life into his care, you have said, I am going to live under the sovereignty of God. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. The Bible tells us right here that we have been saved. It's done. The Bible tells us that he has seated us 
with Christ. He has raised us up. And this is an amazing thing. Think about this for a minute. Think what Paul is saying. Don't let this just wash over you. Paul says, we have been raised with Christ. He's not talking about something that's going to happen in the future when you die. The scriptures here tell us that we have already been raised with Christ. In some form, we have experienced resurrection when Christ experienced resurrection. We are in Christ. You have been raised up now. You have been seated with him in the heavenly places. Now, let's be honest. There's not very many days that I feel seated in the heavenly places places. When I was shoveling the driveway today, I did not feel seated in the heavenly places. When I try to live out the daily stuff of my life, I don't always feel seated in the heavenly places, but that does not discount the Word of God that tells us, as followers of Jesus Christ, who has experienced His grace, who have been saved, are raised up with Him and seated presently in the heavenly places. It gives us a whole different outlook that this is not all there is. That you are presently seated with Christ. It's not just something we look forward to as much as we look forward to. It is something we experience in its fullness right now. That should change our lives. It should cause us to walk differently. We can experience the riches of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Then a very familiar verse to many of us, verse 8 and 9. For by grace we have been saved through faith. As we sang today, we don't boast in ourselves. Our boasting, if we're going to boast at all, is found in the person of Jesus Christ. We boast in what God has done. There is nothing you can do I'll repeat it again. There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. No amount of Sunday school classes sat in. No amount of years worked in Awana. No amount of money given in the offering that can save you. You are saved by God's grace and God's grace alone. All you are called to do, all I am called to do is to receive that grace. I always have to be careful with this because I don't know what I have in here. Got a bunch of ones. There's got to be more than a one in here. Maybe not. 
well, you know, that's okay. We'll take it all out. <laughs> Look at the smile on his face. <laughs> I have, oh, there is a five. So there's a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. What's your name? Sawyer. What was it? Sawyer. 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 I want to give you this eleven dollars. You want to take it? No. I'm coming all the way to the back. Who's this? Jesse. I have eleven dollars right here that Sawyer didn't want. Would you like this eleven dollars? You sure? Good for you. Now, what's the difference between Sawyer and Jesse? Sawyer and Jesse. Jesse Smart? Meh. <laughs> Don't worry, man, you're okay. <laughs> the difference is that Jesse said, I'll keep it, I'll take it. The same is true with grace. God offers you grace. Your response is you can either refuse it or you can take it. And he gives it freely. All you have to do is want it. All you have to do is say, it is mine. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Let's finish with verse 10 because it talks about what we are to do. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should peripateo in them. Not walk in our sin, but walk in the good works that God has for us. That word workmanship is a beautiful word. It's poema. It's where we get our English word poem. You are God's poem. You are poetry. God has written you in love. You speak of the gloriousness of God for he has created you in Christ Jesus. The apostle will write to the Colossian church, he will say that all things have been created in and for Jesus. We were created in Christ. Christ was involved in our very creation. We are the poem of God created in Christ. And we've been created for something. We've been created for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. That good work, again, I'll say it because I want to make it clear, that good work does not save you. That good work is because you've been saved. Apart from Christ, there is no good work that we can do. But in Christ, all is available for us to do well. 
And note that God has prepared us beforehand. Before the foundation of the earth, God has prepared for us to do good things. He created Adam and Eve to do good things. And when you and I do the good works in Christ Jesus, we are reestablishing what God did at the creation of the world. God had a design and plan, and Adam and Eve broke that design and plan. But God in Christ is reestablishing what he has done at the beginning. So what is the good work? The good work is loving God in worship. The good work is loving our neighbors by caring for their needs, by showing mercy and kindness, by caring for the spiritual, material, physical needs, the emotional needs of those around us. The good work is sharing the good news of what God has done for us, that he has saved us, that we are seated with Christ in the heavens. Let's not live in our past. Let us live in our present where Christ is. Your sins are forgiven, washed away, remembered no more. That is good news. Good news that leads to good works. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.